this is an unusual circumstance uh, because uh, this morning I forgot to turn my mic on before our parenting class, and we are also working on getting the audio and visual up for our Bible Institute, and so since uh, Brother Josh has to splice those two things together to cover my negligence and uh, zero in on the Institute video, uh, we're just doing the first part of the lesson in here, and then the second part of the lesson will switch over to where I was teaching it this morning. Uh, obviously, with our class every week, we begin uh, with uh, questions and answers that have been turned in. Uh, question number one, I don't want my child to be a leader. I want them to be a follower. Why should we want them to be a leader? Uh, what I would say is just be careful that you don't let your own fears of taking responsibility, uh, that you don't project them on, on your child. Uh, I don't really think that we should raise our children to be leaders so much as our goal as a parent is to raise them to be uh, what uh, the Lord intends them to be. Um, minimally, if you're raising a little boy, I mean, he needs to be a good enough of a leader to lead his home, uh, be a parent. You're raising a little girl. She minimally needs to be enough of a leader to uh, parent her children. And in many cases, the Lord had, uh, has other plans. And so uh, I think uh, I would be real careful. You'll raise your children to become something less than the Lord intended. Uh, this all really stems from last week, uh, linked to being diligent and being lazy, uh, and how we taught the character attribute of diligence. Uh, you can mark it down. If your child is not diligent, they will never lead. Uh, laziness uh, is a terrible quality in anyone, but especially uh, in a leader. Uh, question number two. Uh, my husband treats our daughter more gently than he treats our son. He lets her get away with everything and nitpits our son. Now, I do think in some ways you can... Treat boys and girls the same, especially when they're toddlers. Uh, so if the difference is, you know, treating your daughter uh, more gently than a son uh, after their past being a toddler, uh, I really I agree with that. Uh, on the other hand, uh, if that difference is letting your daughter get away with everything and nitpicking your son, uh, I strongly disagree. You know, your, your children are always going to accuse you of not handling them fairly. Uh, but you need to make sure that's a false accusation, that you've done everything you can to handle them uh, fairly. And uh, nitpicking one child is, is certainly not fair. Uh, as parents, you know, if, uh, hopefully there's two parents involved. You, you know, you should be talking about this stuff in, in private. And uh, well, I would say to whatever mom it is that turned this in, you know, be sure that you're not uh, expecting your husband to baby your son. And you're looking at what he's doing through mom goggles. So like with so many things we've talked about, you must be honest with yourself and each other. Uh, question number three. Is helping on a cleaning crew a good way to teach diligence and service to the Lord? Uh, yes. <laughs> you, your children working alongside you in whatever you're doing, I, I think it's a good idea. I think that's a good idea if you're working in the yard. I think it's a good idea if you're working in the kitchen. Uh, I think it's a good idea if you're working on a cleaning crew. I think it's a good idea if you're working uh, in ministry. I mean, work ethic, uh, I mean, it's taught. Uh, 
it's caught, I'm sorry, um, more than just taught. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a good idea. Question number four, can you push too much work and chores on your children to make them hate work or become a workaholic? Uh, you probably can, uh, but very few parents are anywhere close to that mark, I mean, especially in the city. And, and I know most of you can't relate to this, but when you grow up in a rural area, especially if you are growing up like on a farm, say like, like I did, you know, it's just accepted. You get up, eat breakfast, you work till lunch, uh, you eat lunch, you go back to work uh, until it's uh, evening. It's just uh, the way it is. In the city, it's different. You're going to have to uh, do some things on purpose to help your children's uh, diligent. I mean, people are workaholics because they have their life balance wrong. Uh, you need your to teach your children to have life balance. Uh, work and diligence matters, uh, but so does family, so does church, uh, so does recreation. Uh, there are a lot of things that, that, that matter, and, and um, <laughs> I wouldn't worry about uh, working your kid too hard under most circumstances. I mean, people are much more naturally lazy, uh, and, and so diligence is taught, and laziness generally is festers itself. Question number five. I have horrible social skills. How can I make sure my children have good social skills? Uh, if you have horrible social skills at this point uh, in your life, uh, it's because you just refuse to embrace uh, New Testament teaching on how to treat one another. Uh, by and large, social skills are just uh, following New Testament uh, admonitions on how to treat one another and how to get along. Uh, if you recognize you don't have good social skills, you, you know, let your child see you working on it. Uh, I also think it's good just to keep your kids around people with good social skills. It, it will help them. Listen, it never helps any kid to have parents that isolate them from all kinds of relationships with their peers. Uh, you really hurt their future. Uh, question number six. At what age do you stop telling your older kids when to go to bed? Uh, learning to go to bed is directly linked with learning to get up early uh, when your alarm goes off. Uh, I believe as your child gets older, uh, their bedtime should uh, get later. In, in our house, uh, we didn't have that much concern about when our kids went to bed so much as we were concerned, did they get up on time and did they get up with the right attitude? Uh, I mean, as you know, we made our children uh, get up uh, at 8.30 on weekdays, 9 o'clock on weekends and holidays. And our uh, way of operating was pretty much, you know, if you're up with your friends, and I mean, we had guys hanging out at our house all the time, uh, until 1 or 2, I don't care, A, as long as you don't wake me up, and B, as long as you get up on time and have a good attitude. You know, I don't buy into this, my kid needs 10 hours of sleep mentality. Some, some kids need way less than that. Uh, you need to get your kid uh, in bed, and you need to teach them to get up on time with a good uh, attitude. Uh, there's nothing good going on after midnight anyway. I mean, even if your kid goes to bed at 1 and gets up at 9, it's still 8 hours of sleep, or 2 and gets up at 9, it's still 7 hours of sleep. You know, uh, 
Question number eight. Will homeschooling my children and having a laid-back attitude negatively impact their work ethic? I don't want eight-hour classes. Uh, the answer to your question, yes, <laughs> it will uh, impact their work ethic if you have a laid-back attitude about homeschooling. Uh, but here he said neither public schools nor private schools have eight hours of classes. And so I certainly wouldn't suggest you have eight hours of classwork for your kids uh, if you homeschool them. I mean, certainly not before they're 14 or 16. I mean, part of what's learned in the education process is getting up, keeping a schedule, uh, turning in assignments on time, learning to budget your own time. And if you do decide to homeschool your children, that's your prerogative. Just please do not do so in a manner that uh, hurts your children's future. And if they can't get up out of bed and they can't budget their time and they can't turn in things on time, they will be dysfunctional. And so uh, if you want to be laid back and how you parent, that's fine. But I, I think being laid back and how you handle your schedule and the workload in a homeschool family, uh, you will greatly hurt your children. And I've got this sentence uh, highlighted in my notes. Poorly educated people with bad personal discipline always do badly in life. Uh, you can pretty much mark that down. Poorly educated people with bad personal discipline always do badly in life. You don't want that for your children. And if you're going to homeschool them, don't foster that attitude in your home. You hurt their uh, future. Uh, somebody said don't be discouraged if your children reject your advice. Uh, years later, they will offer it to their own children. We are today on week 13 of 14 weeks together. Next week will be our, our last week uh, in this class. You'll go back to your regular class on September 25th. And if you don't have uh, a regular adult Bible class, I, I hope you'll just stay in this one. Love to have you in here. As always, I don't have all the answers. Uh, but have been through a lot, seen a lot, and uh, I do want to help you. Should be in your Bible in Matthew chapter 6. And we are continuing today with character. Character is learned behavior. And so the more you build this in yourself, the more you help your children uh, build this in themselves, the more you will help your children's future. Matthew chapter 6. Thank you. I'm glad you came in now. Don't wish you'd have been in 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. A uh, couple thoughts about parenting to consider. Uh, teach your children the importance of hard work in the home, church, and life. Hard work's part of godliness. Here's a second thing. Put as much or more effort into building a relationship with your child as you put in establishing yourself as their authority. Uh, number th And again, I've said this many times in this class. I'm going to say it again. You can be very strict on your children if you're consistent and if you make effort to build relationships. If you're inconsistent and you make no effort to, to build relationship, your strictness will always be considered harshness. Uh, another thought, last thought to consider, many bad habits adults struggle to break wouldn't be there if their parents would not have allowed that habit to start. Uh, we're on week 13, just 14 weeks, one more week. Uh, next week's our last week together. 
and so if you are in a different Sunday school class, you'll be back to that on the 25th. If you don't have a regular class, I hope you will just stay uh, in this class. We'd love to have you in there. And as always, I don't have all the answers, uh, but I do want to help you. I have seen a lot, a lot good, a lot bad, been through a lot, a lot good, a lot bad. And if I can help you in some way, make less mistakes. If I can help you in some way, be more of what you should be so that you more naturally do what you should do, uh, then this will have been a, a success. And I just want to remind everybody that applying all this stuff that we've talked about in the class, it's clean and easy in here. It's messy in real life. In real life, um, husbands and wives disagree about what to do. In real life, sometimes we're tired. Uh, in real life, uh, sometimes things happen that catch us off guard. But all these things, you know, if you're just sincerely trying to do these things and follow Christ, listen, you will do a great job as a parent. God didn't expect you to be perfect. He did expect you to learn what you're supposed to do and, and do that, though. And we are on our last week on character. Remember, characters learn behavior. Uh, character. It, it, uh, outside of faith, uh, if I could convince you to teach your children good character, uh, it is one of the, it is probably outside of faith, the most important thing you teach them, uh, at least for their success in life. And so today, uh, we're going to begin by uh, how to teach our children to manage their money. Uh, don't lift your hand, but uh, if I said lift your hand, if you had difficulty as an older teen and young adult managing your money uh, because you never learned how to do it, and it made your young adult life uh, more difficult than it needed to be, uh, and it made your early years of marriage more difficult than they needed to be, there will be hands up all over the place. And, and so remember, we're not trying to make our children better than us. We're trying to do uh, as best as we're able to do with them. And if we want to help them, we need to teach them how to manage their money. Notice in Matthew 6, 24, Matthew 6, 24, it says, For no man can serve two masters. Uh, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Here's the principle. You cannot serve God and mammon. And if you don't know what mammon is, just circle that word, put a little line down to your margin, and write riches. You cannot, you cannot serve God in riches. The priorities of seeking God versus seeking riches, they're not the same. It is impossible for someone to seek God and seek riches. Uh, go up to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And, and I would love to take a whole week teaching on this, but it's a parenting class. Um, because you can't teach your children how to manage their money unless you know how God teaches us to manage our money. And so we're just laying down a few basic principles, and then we'll talk about how to teach our children these things. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Here's another principle. For the love of money is the root of all evil. And I've got that little phrase highlighted in my Bible. By the way, notice it is not money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. People misquote that all the time. Well, money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. 
The love of money is the root of all evil. Notice, it says, which while some coveted after, they coveted after money. Notice what happened to them. They've erred from the faith. That's the first thing that happened. Notice the second thing. They pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Uh, loving money is the root of all evil, and the result of that is erring from the faith. You stop following Jesus like you should, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. That means you bring a lot more pain in your life than there would otherwise be. Listen, life always has pain. You can make every decision right in your life by faith and good character, and your life is still going to have pain. We're in a broken world. But bad decisions bring extra pain, and we can't avoid that. Go back in your Bible to Proverbs 22. We're just laying down a couple of principles for managing our money, and then going to talk about how we can teach our children to manage their money better. Here's another Bible principle. Proverbs 22, 7, when it comes to money, says, The rich ruleth over the poor. The borrower is servant to the lender. That's a, that's a great phrase. The borrower is servant to the lender. If you are somebody, who are, whoever you're borrowing money from, uh, you are their servant. You will owe that. Now, th- that can be the bank for your house. That can be the bank for your car. That can be your Uncle Frank. That can be wh- whoever it is. You are a servant to whoever you borrow money from. Um, we won't turn there, but Paul taught that the more generously we give, the more bountifully we will receive. If you take notes, write 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. So these are Bible principles. Are you practicing these? See, it, it, how, you said, Brother Wally, okay. In, in a world that is messed up in the area of money, how do I teach my children uh, to manage money? You say, how messed up is our world? Now, some people don't have credit cards. Uh, some people have credit cards and pay them off every month. Sharon and I are like that. We have credit cards. I, I want the free 2% money. And, and, and it is. If you pay your credit card off every month, it's free 2% money. So we literally put everything possible on the credit card and pay it off every month. I, I can't tell you when we didn't pay it off every month. I mean, it's been years and years and years. I want the 2%. Um, but if people have credit cards in debt, for anybody that has credit card in debt, the average credit card debt in America is $13,000. Now, remember, that's not the average debt. Some people don't have a card. Some people that have a card don't, uh, uh, don't put any uh, debt on it. If you have a credit card in debt, the average is 13000 and one-third of the people uh, with credit card debt pay over 20% interest. The average household with credit card debt pays $217 a month just in interest. I mean, think about that. $217, and you have gained zero. We just got our credit card bill this past week. Uh, I think it was $1,560. You know what the minimum payment was? $41. Can I just say, that's not a payment plan to ever get out of debt. That, that's a payment plan for them to keep me paying them interest all my life. And so you and I need to teach our children the purpose and place of money. Listen, if you're sitting here saying money doesn't matter, A, I don't believe you. 
Uh, money matters. Now, it does matter more to, to some than other. Money, money's like oxygen. You, you gotta have some. You gotta have some. Listen, uh, you need money. The church needs money. Good causes need money. Uh, and all kinds of things need money. Money is not bad. It is a great servant, a terrible master. The love of money destroys people, not money itself. Now, several weeks ago, when we started talking about key things to teach our children, do you remember that one of those was self-control? Do you remember talking about that? And that one of the areas to build self-control in is in our spending habits. Uh, Having self-control and handling our money is part of our character. Uh, I hope you've come to realize that you can have good character in some areas of life and bad character in other areas of life. And so our goal needs to be to build good character in all these areas uh, of of life. Listen, I've known people that felt like God called them into ministry. And because of all the car debt and credit uh, card debt they had, uh, they couldn't go into ministry. In fact, they, I told them, don't go till you pay off the, the debt. They didn't listen to me. They went to Bible college, ended up dumpster diving for their food. Came back, bitter at God, bitter at the church, bitter at the school. The wife was bitter at her husband. She sat in there across the table from me. She was angry. She was hurt. And uh, I said, did you object to him doing that? And she said, no. I said, you didn't object because it's what you wanted to do too. And your husband deserves you, if you have a strong opinion, he deserves you to strongly object. I've known people who, uh, in their heart, they wanted the mom to stay home. But they didn't handle their finances like that. They didn't handle their debts like that. Didn't handle their spending like that. Got to that time, they weren't able to do it. Listen, this is a big deal. Uh, So how can I teach my children to manage their money? Uh, Here's number one. Uh, Let them see a good example in you. Do you have a budget? Do you tithe? Here's number two. Give them age-appropriate means to earn money from the time they're very young. So your child should have some things they do in the house for free because they're a part of the family. And your child should have some things they do around the house that you pay them for. Uh, You say, why? They're living under my roof. They're, they're, they're eating my food. You're right. You're losing money on them. Nobody has kids to make money. Okay? You're paying them for that because you're teaching them that work and money are linked. And how do you learn to manage your money if you've never had any? It's really important. Don't pay for them for, for everything they do. <laughs> pay for some things they do. You say, why? Uh, they're learning that the things you do in life cost you money. See, this, again, this is why some people in their early 20s, they, they have no idea what it's like to be an adult. Here's number three. Teach them to tithe from the very first, first money they ever uh, make and explain why. Now, in our kids' case, and I think it's probably generally true because of the heart of a children, when you first teach them this, they, they want to give more. Say, that's the heart of a child. Well, you, you teach them that from the very... Hey, listen, God gave you the strength to do this. God gave you the opportunity to do this. Uh, you honor God with the first tenth. 
Uh, by the way, uh, I don't think, now you can teach your children any method you want, but I don't like the whole idea, you better tithe or God's going to get that money from you some way. You know, if you don't tithe, you're robbing God. Now, I, I agree that both those things are true, but why, why, why are you always starting negative? Why, why can't you teach your children that this is a part of your faith? This is a part, uh, hey, God honors those who are, are, are generous. Well, why, why do you always teach them negatively? Uh, number four, make sure they go without some of the things they want. <laughs> That's part of healthy adult, adult life. Listen, a lot of people, they wrecked their finances in their early 20s because they'd never gone without anything they wanted. Got married, got all new furniture in their house, couldn't afford it. I think we've been married seven years before we bought our first new piece of furniture. Really warped us. You know, again, you're helping teach them self-control with their money. Uh, don't buy them everything they want. If their grandparents buy them everything they want, sit down with their grandparents and tell them to stop. Uh, number five, make them save some money. Open a bank account with their name on it. I'm talking about when they're seven, eight, nine years old. And make them save something. Hey, the first 10% goes to God. I don't care. My mom made me save 50% as a kid. I'm going to tell you, I, thank God, I, you know, I didn't have to tithe. And I've been down 60%. But as, as a kid, listen, I was not saved. We didn't go to a biblical church. I mean, I didn't like saving the 50%. But, you know, when I got in college and had that money there, I was glad. Uh, you say, well, if I... <laughs> don't give them everything they want. You know, for instance, big thing, your kid wants a bike. Hey, great. You save up the first half, we'll cover the second half. You're teaching them delayed gratification. See, in practical terms, what this is, what's going to happen is when your kids first earn money, they're going to just initially go out and they're going to buy pop, they're going to buy candy, they're going to buy all that kind of stuff and let them. And then when they want something, you say, well, you, you know, that's uh, $30. You come up with the first 15, and, and we'll come up with the last 15. I don't have any money. Why? They spent it. What would you spend it on? Candy? Is it worth it? Now you can't have that other. It, you're just, you're slow, you're just implanting these ideas in their mind from, from their youngest, youngest days. Number six, use money as a motivator for some things. You know, profit is not greed. <laughs> Excessive profit is greed. Wanting money is not greed. Excessively wanting money is, is greed. You, you know, uh, that's the way capitalism works. That's the way a healthy society works. You, you know, use it as a motivator for something. By the way, God uses rewards as a motivator sometimes. Well, don't, don't try to tell me that's bad. Pay them for good grades. Don't pay them for average grades unless they're not capable of more than that. Uh, number seven, make them use some of their saved money to pay part of big purchases. I mentioned that. Number eight, when they get older, help them make a budget. Uh, when our kids were older, 
We sat down with an Excel spreadsheet, and uh, we made a budget. Say, how well did they follow it? Well, poorly at first, of course. They're they're kids. They're, They're not supposed to get everything right the first time. That's why you're there. You're giving them tools. Uh, Number nine, talk in general terms about family finances, credit cards, vacations, savings, times when it's tight, your tithe. Now now listen, I I don't really think you ought to tell your 11-year-old, by the way, just so you know, your dad makes $71,000, your mother contributes an additional $32,000, and we make a hundred, they're going to go tell somebody that, you know, don't do that. But, But let them know, hey listen, you're raising your kids with a lifestyle. And if they don't understand that, you know what, if this is the lifestyle I want to live, you know what, I want a nicer car, I want a halfway decent house, I'd like to go on vacation. Well, you're not going to do that, son, on, on minimum wage. Maybe you ought to pay attention in school. Maybe you ought to get a skill. Uh, again, help them understand that this is the way life works. Talk to them about it in, in general terms. Uh, listen, uh, point out good and bad examples of people around you. We did it all the time. You you know, if your child has the mindset that everybody who's rich is cheating people and owes you a living, you've failed. You've failed. By and large, vast majority, people who have money have it because they worked hard and they handled what they made decently. By and large. Um... (laughs) This is politically unpopular. Go to Proverbs 13. Now listen, I believe we ought to be generous with the poor. But notice what Proverbs 13 verse 23 says. Much food is in the tillage of the poor. But there is that is destroyed for want of judgment. In other words, somebody who's poor that has a field has a lot of extra food and things that could be there, but it's destroyed for want of judgment because they don't handle things well. Uh, Listen, people in America who are poor and stay poor, uh, addiction issues, mental health issues, bad personal decisions, tillage that's destroyed for want of judgment. All right? Listen, point that out to your children. Point that out to your children. Um, Number 11, teach them to be a giver instead of a taker. (laughs) Now now listen, I I wish, uh, there there were things my parents did a good job on um, and other things not really as well um, because of the era. Uh, But I'm going to tell you, you really help your kids a lot if you teach them to manage their money. Listen, I couldn't tell you the people I've known over the years. Uh, they get 30 years old. Uh, they, they don't own a house. They have bad credit. They have bad credit card debt. Listen, a bad credit score, that hurts you in every loan you get all your life. Help your children. I mean, I plead with you. I plead with you. What else should I teach my children? Um, Go back to Proverbs 11. We're just talking about character. 
Next week, I plan to just basically, and we're going to close out, and I'm going to just sit across the table from you, uh, kind of like we did in our last uh, week on uh, parental discipline. And we'll just talk about some general things, I just in a personal, much more personal way. Uh, here's the second thing and last thing for today, and just have a couple minutes. Teach them that their integrity is more invaluable than their possessions. Integrity more valuable than possessions. Look at Proverbs 11.3. says, The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. I've got that first phrase highlighted in my Bible. The integrity of the upright shall guide them. You know, a lot of times, if you're ever looking for God's will, you know, one of the great ways God guides you is integrity. What is honest? What is morally correct? Many times we will know God's will through integrity. That's different than being guided by our feelings or our convenience and our integrity, and we ought to teach our children this, ought not to be for sale for any price. Your children ought to see you returning change when somebody gives you too much. Uh, if the $50 bill falls out of the purse of the person walking ahead of you, they ought to see you pick up that $50 and get their attention and say, hey, you dropped this. They ought to see you. If you find somebody's wallet, you just give it back. Have you ever thought about the lack of integrity in our society? Listen, the Bengals don't want somebody for bad uh, behavior unless they're really good. And then you put up with their bad behavior because you want them. That's a lack of integrity. Uh, The government says, I won't tax you. And then they tax the businesses who just pass the tax on to us. I mean, that's just a lack of integrity. Uh, on and on and on it goes. A lack of integrity in the news media. It's terrible. Most of the world just doesn't have anybody, any integrity. And if a person has real integrity, you're just not for sale. You can be trusted to do the right thing. I would like to think my wife can trust me. I would like to think my son can trust me. I would like to think you can trust me. The foundation of trust is Integrity. That's so we need to teach our children that. Say, how, how can I do that? Let them see your integrity. Let them see it inconvenience you. Let them see it cost you money. Integrity is always going to inconvenience you and cost you money. Always. Uh, in your home, make lying a big deal. Every child, in my opinion, uh, and some more than are, they're just natural liars. Uh, I think one of the most difficult aspects of early years of marriage is the fact that you can't skirt by with the lack of integrity that you got to go by with when it was just you. And um, <laughs> make lying a big deal. Treat it as a separate offense. When someone's being disciplined, if they were honest about what they did, I'll give them one thing. If they did something and lied about it, treat that as two offenses. Uh, if they did something and, and were honest about it, okay, discipline them for the offense and make the, make the punishment a little less because they were honest about it. You're teaching them the value of integrity. Always talk about integrity. Always talk about the value of honesty. Compliment them when they're honest. Listen, when they keep their word and it costs them something, compliment them. R- remember, 
we learned in discipline, and I said it over and over and over again, the only thing, if the only thing you ever use as a behavior modification is a rod, as opposed to using many other negative things and positive things, you're not using all the tools that God gave you to shape your child. And I'll stop there because I'm out of time. But uh, next week, like I said, will be our last week. We're going to kind of just get personal, sit across the table, and, and sort of uh, bring everything together. You should have a paper. If you would, write something down, some kind of a question and, or some kind of a snide remark. Uh, I like the highlights in your hair. Your hair like, haircut looks beautiful. I can't believe you left your mic off again. Lesson with nobody in here.